0: Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining me again on another episode of Get Into It with Gila. Today I had the privilege of interviewing Brie from Body Image with Brie. It was such a fun interview. I learned so much from Brie and I continue to learn from her on her Instagram page. I watch her stories. If you don't go go ahead and follow her now, she's so enlightening and she has so much to offer. She shares so many different tips and tricks on how to love your body and feel comfortable in your own body. And I was so excited to have her on the podcast. So um, I really am so excited to for you guys to hear this interview. And also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel and share it with people that you feel would really benefit from it. If you are looking for a one-on-one intuitive eating counseling, you could reach out to me on my website, www.gielaglassberg.com or on Instagram at Okay, have a wonderful day and enjoy this podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at Glassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I've come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Okay. Hi, everybody. We're back with another episode with Get Into It with Gila. Uh, I'm Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And today I have Bree from Body Image with Bree. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me sure can you tell us a little bit about yourself
1: sure so my name is brianna campos i'm a licensed mental health counselor in the state of new jersey we just figured out that we don't live that far from each other (laughs) and uh i am on instagram as body image with bri and i am a body image coach
0: very cool so i really wanted to bring you on because i i personally follow you on instagram and i love your page i i always like i almost like always cry from like all your Um, honesty and your um, vulnerability it's really something that I connect with and I'm sure I mean you know so many followers and we're all like learning from you so um so could you just tell us a little bit about what is a body image coach
1: sure so uh, I guess that kind of combines a little bit with my story so um I a coach is somebody who helps you with with is more goal-oriented than a therapist, right? Whereas a therapist is like, hi, like, what do you want to talk about today? Or, you know, like, let's process that. Uh, A coach is like, let's, let's get you towards your goal. And what's stopping you? What are the hurdles that are coming up? So I kind of refer to myself as like an archaeologist. And I'm like, I don't know what we're going to find down there. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to process it with you. But let's uncover what some of those core beliefs are and um, and what are the hurdles that are stopping you from accepting the skin you're in? What are the hurdles of, of just making peace with your body? And so when I was undergoing my own body image issues and my own body image journey, um, I was doing a lot of the things that I'd asked, I was asking myself and I kind of wish that there was, I remember looking for like a body image group or something that I, I didn't, I knew I didn't have to be alone in this journey. And so I decided I'm going to be that, I'm going to make that, um, for people who are looking for that support, um, on their body image journey.
0: Oh, wow. So I guess they say that, like when you what like the best invention is what is it curiosity, yeah, I know what you're t- what you're talking about, but it's like also from just lived experience, too. Right. so could you tell us a little bit about your own body image journey, like how old were you, when did it start? like sure what were the things that you like what got you to where you are today? yeah, so um
1: <clears throat> so usually when I tell my story i'll I'll say, you know I've always lived life in a larger body the more I look at pictures, um, from my childhood, I wasn't really that much larger, um, than people, but I remember I was made to feel like my body was a problem, um, that my size was concerning. And, um, I remember the first time that I became negatively aware of my body, uh, by a professional was when I was eight years old. I had gone to the doctor and, um, you know, I, I, I always say, I can't remember if I was naked, but I remember feeling naked. Like, I remember feeling shame and embarrassment. And she was like, you know, you're, she's, you know, she said to my mom, she's too fat. Um, you need to put her uh, on a diet. Uh, and she said to, to me, you need to eat fruits and vegetables and exercise and not reward yourself with dessert. My doctor never once asked me what my current diet looked like she never current like asked what my current exercise routine looked like she just made an assumption about my body and I remember being uh eight years old and I remember being in the bathtub and I remember praying to God I was like okay God I need you to do two things for me I need you to clean my room I need you to make me smaller I need you to make me thin and he did neither of those two things <laughs> and uh, um I I I would say that probably was just the beginning of a journey of a lot of chronic dieting, uh, a lot of um, different programs, every diet that there's ever been, if you've thought of it or heard of it, I've probably done it. And as expected by, you know, weight science, I would start a diet, it would work for a little while, then it stop. then I'd go off of it, and I'd wait cycle. And uh, I also, as I got older, <clears throat> wasn't until I was 25 that I, I um, found out that I have some other, medical issues or medical concerns that could have contributed to my body size. And so this whole time I was being told that it was personal responsibility, that it was my fault, that my body was the way it was, uh, when it was really just genetics and uh, a combination of weight cycling. <clears throat> and um, and so I, I I attribute the fact that I had... A strong self-efficacy like I was a very resilient kid and I was I had I was very confident in other areas of my life that I never developed an eating disorder so my body image was like my Achilles heel Mm -hmm. I knew that I was a great friend I knew that I was a good student I knew that I was a good leader it was just my body image and so it was just this like shadow figure that i like didn't acknowledge i was just like oh yeah, yeah and whenever i would see pictures of myself or somebody would make a comment then i would be like i'm going to this is the time i'm going to do it right so uh, it wasn't until i was in grad school and i had done a lot of you know different therapy a lot of different um, <clears throat> trying to acknowledge like the body image stuff but really it was more of like this is a problem but I'm gonna fix it and every time I would go to a therapist and say but I'm gonna do this I would get met with like congratulations like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this diet wow well it sounds like a, a really good handle on it I am going to you know do this uh, or I'm gonna uh, when I was 19 I opted to get the uh, lap band surgery the weight loss surgery and again met with praise and adoration of like congratulations. I was 19, right. When I'm having this invasive surgery and uh, right it now I'm like, Oh, I can't even, because in my family's mind, in my doctor's mind, the worst thing I could be was fat and I use fat in a reclaimed way. I don't use it in a negative way. Uh, <clears throat> and so it was, years after I was having complications from the lap band surgery and I wanted to get it removed. And I remember the doctor who wanted to remove it wanted to do another surgery. And I was not yet aligned with Health at Every Size. And I was like, no, like I have done research on this and I know that it is not a long-term solution. Plus I don't believe my food is the reason, like it is not because I am excess- excessively eating. And the doctor wasn't hearing me. So they thankfully removed the band. But I remember being like, nobody's listening to me when I'm saying, I don't think that this is, my weight is being caused by overeating, you know, and a lack of movement. And so uh, when I I had started, at the same time simultaneously, I was in therapy for my program for counseling. And uh, I remember talking to my therapist about dating, and somehow it led to body image. <laughs> and I was like, those two have nothing to do with each other. They did. And I started realizing, a lot of these core beliefs that I held around body image that I would never hold for anyone else that I didn't actually believe were true but I believe they were true for me so for instance I believed no one will love me if I am in a large body like my large body is not sexy or appealing it is disgusting and no one's gonna want me and I remember once It was like I pulled back a carpet. Once you know what's under there, you can't unsee it. And so I really set out on this journey of how do I make peace with my my body image? And I now know I probably would have diagnosed myself with body dysmorphia because I felt hopeless. Like I felt like unless my body changes, there's going to be no hope in changing. Like there's no hope in changing the beliefs. And it's not true because I did a lot of the work that I do with my clients. I did a lot of changing the way that I spoke to myself, changing my self-talk. You know, I use this example of you can't play two tracks at once. So you can't play a body positive message if you're not also stopping the negative, hateful message. So just even these like underlying thoughts of like, he's not going to like you for your body or like, and just calling them out and recognizing and making space for them rather than just putting them down and being like, that's stupid of why is this something I really believe Um, of, you know, and I, I just did a, a a live not too long ago, or I think I did it in my stories and I put it in my IGTVs of like my 10 tips of how I, you know, venture to body image. Like I'm not, I'm not hiding it from anyone. I want to share it with the world because I want everyone to experience this, but I think people are waiting for like, uh, they want, they want like a pill, like and bottle up and be like, give it to me, give me this technique. It's time. It's a lot of time. Like if you think about how much time, so I was eight years old when I started and I'm not good at fast math, but I was eight years old when I first realized my body was wrong. And I was, let's say I was 25, 26 when I realized, wait a second, my body's not wrong, right? That's not Right. From eight to 25, that is how many years I have played this message of your body is wrong, your body is wrong, your body is wrong. So now we're doing this unlearning. We call this thing, I know I'm talking a lot. No, no. Um, We we call it in, in counseling neuroplasticity, right? Where it's this, where our thought process and our behaviors, they're linked together. And with neuroplasticity is we wanna change the behavior by, I mean, we change the thought process by changing the behavior. So if the first thought is I'm uncomfortable with my body and your your behavior is to, I'm gonna diet, I'm gonna change my body. That is just the pattern that has been built. If we can change the behavior to, hey, let's dive into this, let's lean into the discomfort. Eventually you make a new pattern where you no longer, that's not your go-to. So long story short, um, I was working at a, I worked at a eating disorder recovery center and I had never heard of any of like health at every size, intuitive eating. There was a dietitian. I went to three different locations for this this uh, program as a therapist and it was at the last program, probably within like the last day or so, uh, the dietitian said to me, she was like, you know, I feel like, you would really like this podcast. And it was Christy Harrison's podcast, food psych. Mm -hmm. And when I say, when I heard of health at every size and intuitive eating, it was, that was it for me. I had already done all of this work that when I heard it, I was like, yeah, this is it. This, this makes sense. And it was very shortly after that where I made my page and the rest is a love story.
0: That's a great story. I love it. Um, so I do have a question. I have a bunch of questions. When you became a therapist, was your goal to work with people with their body image or not even? That was yes. your goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you had, done all had
1: always work. had a, I had always had a passion for body image, and I, I had, I had run body image groups, like especially at the different locations that I was at, but it, it always felt like something was missing, like especially when it came to, like, I knew that, right, my body image had, n- like, nothing to do with my body, and I, kn- but, like, the, qu- when the question of, like, health came up, right, I was always, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right, I was actually yeah.
0: going to ask you about that, because I am a dietitian, and so many people say, like, But what if you're like, you really need to lose weight or like with your, with your case, the doctor, like, you feel like you can't really like fight with a doctor. You don't really like the doctor knows best. Right. So how do you navigate that with yourself or with your clients? When I have so many clients, even in the last few weeks, them telling me like the doctor is really recommending like the weight loss surgery. And I'm like, oh gosh, Mm. you know? Well,
1: first, I mean, I just have so much empathy and that's really hard, and you have to remember that, um, again, it's like technology. we were talking about how the technology wasn't working before. It has its benefits, and modern medicine, like there's there's so many benefits to modern medicine, but I do think that, right, doctors push weight loss surgeries. It. I, I don't think that they do it for finances, right, but you know they're covered. Most most weight loss surgeries are covered financially, and so I, I don't even want to get down that rabbit hole. My question would be: Is right if weight is a is not a behavior, right? If weight is a symptom, what would you say to somebody in a smaller body? Right. So so even for instance, um, I think that we what we do a lot of the time is we scapegoat our bodies, right? Our bodies are the problem. And again, that is that belief system. It's like, it's like being in a cult, right? I imagine I've never been in a cult, but where you have just learned something and then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, wait a second. Is that, is that even right? I don't even, I don't even know. Um, so I, I, like, I'll give you an example from my personal life. Uh, since being in, in quarantine, because this is being recorded in, um, you know, the summer, spring of summer of 2020, we've been in quarantine for several days now. And I've done all of my work via telehealth, right? And my, my knee has started hurting me. And of course, the first thought is because of my body size. All right? That's the first thought. And we call what we call that is scapegoating our body, right? So when we talk about scapegoating in a clinical sense, it's when we put all of the problems on something or someone, and it doesn't actually allow us to look at, well, what's the problem? So I thought, okay, well, what advice would I give to somebody who's in a smaller body? And I, so the first thing I asked is, well, what's changed, right? What's changed in the last couple of days or weeks that would could possibly explain why I'm having knee pain. And I been I sit at this desk in this little corner for a significant amount of hours a day. I've stopped moving. Uh, I used to formally exercise and I just don't have the bandwidth or the emotional capacity or any of the, I was like, I just, I can't. And I've given myself permission to, to pause. And so uh, I, I thought, okay, well maybe sitting all day is is part of the problem and I found a couple of of things that I could do um to help with with knee pain relief that have nothing to do with my body size um like for instance one of them and I'm not like this can't be a pr- replacement for medical advice um but it's just sitting with my legs straight out rather than than sitting with them with feet flat, like letting them sit straight out so that you you can have an opportunity to flex and point your toes. I have a couple of stretches that I do uh, at night now and in the morning. And within two days, it has made a significant difference in my pain. And how quick and easy would it have been to be like, it's my body and I'm going to go on a diet. I think one of the things too is going on a diet or you know thinking about going on a diet fills us with this... Uh, inflation i can't think of the word but we just get this like yes and then i'm gonna fix my problem and then we start to fairy tale ending and then and then i'm gonna get to do this that and then and so we spiral from this belief system of i'm gonna fix all my problems and so yeah so I, i kind of going back to your question though um, if if a medical professional is really pushing for weight loss surgery, I really think it it probably is time for a, another doctor. And the other thing is, if they are working with you, um, that they can ask you to recommend. I had my doctor call and say to my to my doctor that I am not interested in weight loss and that I need they need to not weigh me unless absolutely medical medically necessary. And she knows that I work with this dietitian, and um, she hasn't weighed me in over two years.
0: So, so that's great. So that's really learning to be like the advocate for yourself and also for your patients. Like I recently decided to call like certain doctors and try to educate them on uh, what's going on because otherwise they just don't know.
1: And it's not even, you don't even like, so even trying to educate them on health at every size or two, that's not even, but like, if I, so if I had an eating disorder, my dietitian, I just I call on behalf of people all the time of like, they have an eating disorder, weighing them is really triggering. Can you please not unless medically necessary? yeah so of just and most times they're really amenable to it so
0: right Right. i also want to say something about um you let's say let's say you hadn't done all this work and you had this knee pain and then you would automatically scapegoat your body like you were saying before um and then a lot of people like you fix the problem like okay let me stretch my knees let let me figure out what to do but so many people because they don't think like that they haven't been trained to think like that they just don't do anything and then that's why they maybe they don't get the medical care that they need because maybe they're afraid to go to the doctor or they're afraid to be fat shamed or body shamed and it's really sad it's really unfortunate yeah
1: It's so disheartening, and I stayed away from the doctor for years because I was I was like I don't want another lecture. Like I already know that I'm in a large body. I don't need you to tell me that I'm doing it wrong, and that sucks. That absolutely sucks. And I was tired all the time, and I was exhausted. And because so I, I have a thyroid issue, I I was like I didn't know that I needed to be on medication, right? And I avoided going to the doctor because I was afraid of that. And that's a very real thing. And that is what we would call, uh, you know, weight stigma. And, and it's, it's truly rooted in fat phobia, which if anybody's listening to this or going, like, what's that? It, it's the sense that, that we believe that people in larger bodies, um, that they're, it's like wrong to be in a larger body, right. That, you know, that's not how we were meant to be. And, and when I, When I explain body image to kids, I use this example of, let's look at fruit, right? Fruit comes in all shapes and sizes. Some has skin, some has fuzz, some have seeds, some don't, right? They're all different. We would never expect a watermelon to look like a banana. (laughs) Right. And why? Because of genetics, right? Like that's just how it is. A watermelon is large and round and a banana is lean and thin. And they're they're both great fruits. Like it's just diversity of size. I
0: love and that.
1: so yeah, and for kids it's, it's a lot easier. There's so many there's so many things you could do that with you could do it with with trees or uh pumpkins or right. And there's not one right way to be a pumpkin. There's not one right tree. There's a lot of different diversity. and So it's definitely diet culture. So one of the things that we talk a lot about is uh, in the health at every size and intuitive eating world, as we talk about diet culture and how they utilize, they, they work on, uh, it's a $71 billion industry based off of the premise that whatever they're selling you is going to fail, right? The weight science, there is no adequate weight science that proves that for 95% of the people that it's going to be sustainable for more than uh, three to five years. Mm -hmm. And so, right, so they are profiting off of that, that it's going to work for three to five years. There's going to be this inflation with people, like it's the only product that has a 95% failure rate and people are like, I'm going to go back and get it, right? I'm going to do it right, again. Right. And my thought is because it's it's really tied to self-esteem. So what we in our society, when people lose weight, we we congratulate them. We talk about their body. Mm-hmm. We praise them. We It is all about like, oh, they have succeeded. Like they've done it. We're so proud of them. So in my mind, the opposite is then failure. When your body gets bigger, you feel like you failed. Mm -hmm. and, and, and yeah, and I, I, that is a story that I think society tells us. It's not true, right? So I know that there are a lot of A-list celebrities who are talking about how much weight they've lost. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's see what happens in, in five years from now. Like, okay, like she's lost weight now, but is it sustainable? And excuse me, at the end of the day, her work is not better because of her body size. She's still an amazing singer. Mm -hmm. And so, Yeah. Um, I do think that it's diet culture profits off of our continuing to give their money to them. And they know that people, the worst thing in the world is for people to be fat. There, there's a a study out there that said, uh, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get it wrong. I want to say it was like upwards of 80% of 10 year old girls in a study said they were more afraid of becoming fat than they were of, uh, lose getting cancer their parents dying (sighs) both of their parents dying or of us going to war oh
0: god
1: i see and like you had a visceral reaction
0: when that happened talk to me what just what happened for you it's just like it's just so horrible that like we've equated like being fat with like the worst possible thing and then in 10 year old girls like i have a seven year old daughter like Mm. like I don't ever want her to think like her body's better if she's smaller, or her body's worse if she's bigger, or that she would think that about other people. Like, we're all like we all. It's just so sad because I know for myself even, I'll just be like completely honest. Like when I started intuitive eating, like when because I was already working as a dietitian, I definitely I think had that underlying belief like okay I'm gonna do intuitive eating and I'll lose weight, <laughs> even yeah. though intuitive yeah. eating is not about weight loss. And I know a lot of my clients struggle with that, and I think that. I actually gained weight when I started doing intuitive eating mm-hmm. and I actually also started doing formal exercise at the same time and I was like I can't believe this like who's gonna want to work with me like I gained weight or like I'm not I'm not as thin as other dietitians you know and there was a lot of like digging like the extra digging like where are like I, I I also have bought into the belief system that thinner is better and thinner is more beautiful and now that I now that I've worked on that part, and it's still, it's still hard, you know, it's still a struggle because I'm a human and I live in this world. But like, I feel a lot of like freedom, like, and I feel a lot of like, you know, the people who I follow on Instagram, some are in larger bodies, some are in smaller bodies. But like, I just learned so much from you guys, like, that you do this yeah. hard work, and that even even if you are in a larger body, or even. Like for me, I struggle with it because I'm not like a size two and I'm a dietitian. Like I'm showing up because this is really important work and we need to break mm-hmm. this stigma. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think when I was um
1: when I was first trying to find professionals, like I, I was looking at all like the haze and the intuitive eating. I realized that there weren't a lot of professionals in larger bodies talking. Like it was a lot of thin white women talking and I'm like okay but it's easy for you to say it's okay for you to love your body but how like what about what about me and 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 this is the other thing too is and I encourage all of my um you know colleagues who are in more societally acceptable bodies that I needed them to say the message because my fat phobia was so rampant within myself that I needed someone to say it. I needed someone to be like. I remember when I listened to Chrissy Harrison's podcast, and it was an episode on emotional eating, and I was like prepared to be like, and they're gonna say once again that like, you know, it's my fault. And it was Judith Math, and she was Matt's and she was like, she said something like, you know, I don't even think emotional eating is a thing. Like all emotion, eating is emotional, and I was like, oh, whoa, what, what? Or like, we think it is a bad thing. And I was like, I've never heard this before. (laughs) So I needed that that permission piece um, to really make space and allow for, uh, um, yeah, just to allow for um, myself to be able to make peace with my body. But it is hard. Nobody's gonna tell you that this work is not hard, but I can tell you being in a larger body, really learning to make peace with my body. Like, I think people think I lie. (laughs) like, I think people think I'm lying. And, and here's the thing is it's not that I love all of the parts of my body, right? Like I looked, I walked past my mirror the other day at an unflattering angle. And I was like, (laughs) Ooh, right. I'm human, but I caught it when it happened. And I was like, what just happened there? Like, why, why did, why did you do that? And And really just catching those thoughts in the moment and really just kind of digging in and leaning in to that self-talk and the narrative that I'm playing in my head rather than just being like, oh yeah, yeah." like, all right, or I'm going to fix it. I'm going to go on a diet. I think that when 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 you learn how to love without condition, right? Like it's not, I'm going to love my body when it's smaller. I'm going to love my body when I don't have like this pocket here or these problem areas go away, or I'm not, I'm going to love my body when I can fix my cellulite. When we can change that then the definition of body love changes. And, and, and so, yeah, I love my body 10 out of 10. That does not mean that I am in love with all of the parts of my body all of the time. It doesn't mean that my body doesn't also cause me discomfort at times. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day and uh, the biggest tool I can give to people is really honing in on how you talk to yourself because that's been the biggest change. And I'm like, if I wouldn't talk to anybody that I love in the way that I'm talking to my body right now. Probably not a good thing to be saying to my body.
0: Do you have other tools. Like I know that I've worked a lot on the self-talk and I work with my therapist also on on self-talk but some like we've had this conversation before me and my therapist like sometimes you can't access it you can't like you're having too much of a hard time to access your your self-talk or access changing it it's like too powerful
1: mm-hmm. I I think that sometimes it goes so unnoticed like that it's just sort of like innate and so, so like when people work with me, we will do different like body image exposures when they feel ready. So one of the things, one of the tools that I'll use with my client is I will have them scale body image discomfort on a scale of one to 10. So I'll I'll say, I want you to keep track of what happened. And so um, I'll give you an example from myself. I remember the first time I wanted, I was, you know, practicing intuitive eating. I had full permission from my dietitian and myself. I was like, I'm going to go get a bagel. I love bagels. I'm from North Jersey. Right. Mm-hmm. And as I'm walking into the bagel store, I, I like, I felt so much guilt, so much shame. I was so activated in my body on a scale of one to 10. It was probably like an eight out of 10. And I really, I had to just observe that and be like, okay you're not gonna rob the bagel store you're not gonna murder anyone in the bagel store you're just getting a bagel so why do you feel like a criminal why does this feel so shamy and guilty and i just leaned into that and when it's activated it's a lot easier than when it's not activated but the more you lean into when it's activated the more when it's like less you'll be like oh that was like a subtle thought so like even my mirror thought the other day that was really it was insignificant. It was probably like a one where I or one or two where I was just like, ugh. And so now I like now I can identify it. I'm like, okay, cool. What what can we do to help with that? When it's activated. So in that store, in the moment when I was in the bagel store and I was like, okay, like let's just lean in right now. What is the worst? Like what's the story you're telling yourself? And the story I was telling myself is see? This is why you're fat and and i've heard uh, you know several people say and and so i've started doing this is really identifying that inner critic in your voice and naming him or her and like separating it from yourself because Mm -hmm. i believe we we have a true we have true values right and you have like your true you and then you have this inner critic who uh i've had some who describe it like a mean girl who's like, "Mm, no, that doesn't look good on you. Or you know what I mean? And so mine was a little bit of a mean girl in that moment. It was like, see, this is why you're fat. Mm -hmm. And the person in front of me was in a smaller body. The people in the back were in different size bodies. And I was like, wait a second. I tell girls all the time in my eating disorder clinic that body size is not implicit because of food, right? Like it doesn't change because of food. Or one food, right? One time. And it's just bread, right? It's just a bagel, right? And if that's not true for him, how is it true for you? And really recognizing that, wow, that was the belief system is that if I eat this food, it's going to change my body size. And so now, now I can eat bagels free. will. now, now bagels, I'm like, Oh, am I in the mood for a bagel? Yeah. I'm going to have a bagel. And it's, it's so freeing and it's amazing. And I, I couldn't be happier. And so, yeah, I think another tool would be really just highlighting how activated it becomes for you because then when it's these higher activations, like 10 or like lower, uh, I, so when I work with coaching clients, if it's higher than a, of a five, I don't touch it because I'm not your therapist. I can't, I can't do that with you. So I, I like to stick around like still like a five. I think five is still activated enough, but it's not traumatizing you. And I would encourage you like with a hazel therapist or whatever to lean into that a little bit more of hmm, I wonder why that's so activated. And truly it's because of your belief systems around it. Right. What is, what is the story you're telling yourself?
0: So I love that. And I also think that that's um, like, I guess something that I speak about a lot, which is like, a lot of us were raised that like our emotions are bad, like strong emotions are bad, like anger mm-hmm. or um, mm-hmm. shame, shame, jealousy, whatever. And you're basically saying like, that's your, like I say, emotions get us into motion or there are smoke alarm. Like you're using yes. it as a tool. Like how, what is this telling me? What is uh, What am I believing?
1: Yes. It's exactly like with an intuitive eating when she says, uh, when Evelyn Trevoli talks about, um, you're like, oh shoot, I'm going to screw this up. Uh, she talks about like the different voices. So you're like nutrition informant where it's like, "Mm, do you know how many calories are in a bagel? (laughs) Not helpful. How can we switch the hat from, from judgment To curiosity so even in that moment when I was filled with shame walking past the mirror or not even filled with shame but just like talked negatively to myself I was like hmm what's going on Mm -hmm. and can I can I connect to that what's happening for me that I I this is being
0: filled within me right now right I remember I don't know do you follow Rachel Tuckman do we follow who Rachel Tuckman she's a licensed she's also a therapist and she talks a lot about anti-diet and so. she's really great so we've done some like um talks together and I and she always nice. says this to, yeah she always says to the crowd like you ever have th- like a day where you try in an outfit and you're like oh I look really good and then the next day you try in the same outfit and you're like this looks horrible I mean I look disgusting look at my body and it's just What's going on? Like, what happened to you that day that affected your self esteem?
1: Right. Right. Why are you? Why did it change so quickly? And the truth is, is like, some days you're gonna be feeling yourself, and other days you're not. That's a place people hide, though, too, right? They're like, I don't, I don't think I have a body image issue because there are some days that I think I look good, mm-hmm. right? Where some days I'm like, oh, okay, how are you doing? That's not. That's good, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not the issue. I mean, I think we all we have to level that at, at some point we all have some body image issues. Like, so if somebody tells me I have no issues with my body at all, that's a little suspicious to me
0: <laughs> because everyone has issues with their body because I think our bodies are like
1: relationships. It would be like you saying, I have no problems with my husband ever. We got married and then it was a love story ever since we've never fought. We've never had any problems. I'd be like, okay.
0: Yeah, that's not true.
1: <laughs> but but nobody would expect that either. Nobody would be like, 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 oh, wow. Like that's the goal. They'd be like, are you sure? <laughs> and that's, that's the thing is it's a relationship with your body, your body, Anna, Anna Sweeney. She's a dietitian on Instagram. She says that our relation, uh, our relationship with our body is the longest one we're ever going to have. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's not about not feeling any discomfort in your body which is not even realistic right right but of when it happens how do you choose to move through it
0: right and you also mentioned before that like when you were as a child you were very resilient and that you had like high self-esteem what do you like i actually interviewed somebody else and she she was bullied as a child for and she said Mm -hmm. she was bullied for her weight and um and I said, how did you, she said, I always had self-confidence and my, my mother always made sure we had other hobbies. And I was like, wow, like, that's amazing. I know like for me, if I was bullied, like I wouldn't be able to take that. Like I'm way too sensitive and I get hurt way too easily, me, very easily, not way too easily. But how do you like, what would you attribute your confidence to? Um,
1: so I, I teach, uh, introduction to eating disorders at a small college in, uh, Spark Hill, New York. And I remember when I was preparing for my course, really struggling with this. Cause I'm like, I literally have all of the markers for somebody who quote unquote should have developed an eating disorder. And the only thing I can attribute it to was having a safe attachment growing up. To a parent, um, and to to like to loved ones, right? Feeling that safe connection to people, and also having right before I was being bullied, had confidence in getting involved in activities. So I was a very um, outgoing kid. Imagine it might be harder for for a kid who's shyer, but I was all like I, did, I didn't shut up like now. Like I just I love to talk. I love to hear myself talk. My, I, my mom would always joke that she would cut me off at like 15 questions cause otherwise I would just keep going. <laughs> she was like, okay, this is the last one. Um, so yeah. And so I, I think it's hard, but I think even more so for parents, it's going to be really important to not only educate yourself for yourself, but for your kids yeah. and how do we have conversations about body image? So if you, if you have a kid who's shy and reserved and, um, doesn't really, you know, like doesn't know, like doesn't have like a lot of friends or right. How do we have this conversation? And I really think if you can just take an approach of neutrality towards bodies, like, yeah, some bodies are big, some bodies are are small, um, just like fruit, right. Just like trees. Uh, will that, will that help shape your children's Um, relationship to their own body. But even more so than having these conversations is parents leaning in and doing their own work. It's doing the body image work yourself. That if you would not prescribe what you're doing or thinking to your child, if you would throw down before somebody spoke to your child that way, then you have to advocate for yourself. You have to be that loving, kind parent to yourself first. Which is another technique that I will use with, with clients is, well, it, you know, if you have your inner critic, what would a loving parent say?
0: Right. I actually wrote about this on Mother's Day because I realized on Mother's Day, I was thinking what to write. <laughs> and um, I was thinking that most of my clients actually have some sort of, not just issues with their parents, with their mother, but like some sort of self-esteem related to criticism from their mother's maybe even having to do with their body image and Mm -hmm. it's this work a lot of this work is really reparenting yourself and that was a foreign concept until recently but it's so it's very empowering because a lot of a lot of people blame their parents and that you what what could you do with that you can't do anything you can't change the past you can't change your parents but you can change your your voices in your head and that's really empowering
1: yeah. And, and I would say from a therapeutic standpoint, um, right, we're, we all have parent wounds, right? That's that's a very real thing. And therapy and trauma therapy would be a great place to go uh, to process some of those deeper wounds. We cannot change our parents, but I think that even going back into those moments as a kid, figuring out what did you need and what would have like what, 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 what was it that you needed in those moments? And I'm like, I, I think I'm a pretty cool therapist. I'm not like super into like the, so we call it gestalt therapy of like, oh, let's do this, um, what do they call it? Uh, oh, shoot, I'm losing the term right in my, it's like a open chair, shoot, I can't think of it right now. But it's like where you're talking to a younger version of yourself. But that can be super powerful when done well and not in like a corny sense right it can be really powerful of figuring out what your inner child needed and how to restore that moving forward but that's definitely therapy work and not something that you or i can even you know touch on as you know coaches and, and as a dietitian but the truly giving space to the child that was hurt so when i think about my eight-year-old self What I needed was for somebody to be like, hold up, probably with a lot of expletives, like, don't ever talk to my kid that way. You have no, and like, really just come for the doctor in Mm -hmm. that moment. Mm -hmm. I also uh, always preface that I believe that my parents did the best that they could with the knowledge that was given to them. And so I don't, I don't hold my parents at fault because I know that they were only doing the best that they could so it is that kind of giving giving like a not a pass but just like all right they did the best they could and i'm going to do better for the next generation
0: yeah when our parents were raising us there wasn't a lot of this education on intuitive eating health at every size um it wasn't even like a thing so that so what you're doing like showing off on instagram and i've learned so much from you and other health at every size intuitive eating accounts i don't know Like I I was also a little bit misinformed, you know, I went to school for many years to become a dietitian and I never heard once about intuitive eating. Right, 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 absolutely. So you guys are really like trailing the way. Thank you very much. Okay, so do you wanna leave our listeners with anything else?
1: Yeah, um, so this has sort of just been on my mind recently, but um, no matter where you are in this journey, it's okay. Right. You don't need to be anywhere else. It doesn't matter where, um, you know, I am or, you know, anyone else in your life is
0: you're on your own journey. You're on your
1: own path and you're doing the best you can.
0: I love that. Okay. I actually did want to ask you one more question. If you're going for it, I saw the other day on your Instagram that, that somebody wrote you like such an awful, horrible, yeah, DM, and um, I know they call that like a troll. I've never been trolled. I'm not. I'm. I'm I don't. I'm not that cool. I don't have that many followers. But, <laughs> um, but you, you, you know, presented it to everyone, and you let yourself feel whatever you felt. But do you mind sharing yeah. like how you were able? Like, you weren't broken. Like, like you said, like it hurt, but like you understood that that person was struggling or whatever. If, if you could talk about that for like a minute. Sure sure um
1: and then even before i talk about that i'll i'll talk about oh gosh it probably was man 2013 2014 um i was on a dating site and i i got a pretty nasty troll um on a dating site right so a troll on the internet It's just somebody who is they're they're not looking to support you or follow you or so on this dating site, this person literally engaged me just so that they could bring me down. And they made a comment about my body size and, uh, and then like, I was so flabbergasted cause I'm like, you literally had to choose to engage me. Like you literally had to choose. I want to connect with you just so you could bring me down. And I remember when that happened, I, I remember being so filled with shame and I remember feeling the shame in my, my chest, in my throat. Like I, I, for those that are uh, listening, I'm like grabbing right by my throat because I remember this burning feeling. And I remember being so hurt. And I went for a walk. And I, again, I just sort of engaged in that, that, that self-talk of like, okay, why does this hurt so much? And in 2014, it hurt so much because I was like, I feel like I have to prove myself. And like, this is why, right? This is moments like this are why I feel like I need to prove myself because people make assumptions about me because of my body size and it really hurts. And it probably disrupted me for about a day, right? Like it was about a day and I ended up sharing it online because I was like, you know, people tell me all the time, like, Oh, fat shaming isn't a thing. And I was like, uh, it is a thing. <laughs> I just want to show you, this is how, like being in a larger body. This is something that I experience, I'll, like I will experience and you might never. And I got so many people of my friends. This was before I had a page who were just like, Oh my gosh, this person is horrible. You're beautiful. Don't worry. And I, I remember it, that wasn't helpful. Cause I was like, I mean, I knew they were trying to help, but I was like, he didn't call me ugly. He called me fat. <laughs> now fast forward to 2020. And I wake up to this horrific troll. And again, so different being not on a dating site and it being just like on the internet because I I get trolls constantly. I I think I wrote on my post, I get so much love on my page, so much love and support. Then far less, I'll get people who are like dissenting, but like want to learn or maybe are trying to learn. And even less, I will get trolls. Actually, more than I get trolls are people who are like fetishizing my body. So, um, yeah, so I saw it and it stung. And I was like, ooh, that's, 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 that's really uncalled for. And now that I look at it, right, when I was in 2014 versus 2020, I put so much effort into, well, what are other people going to think about me? And I've done so much work since then till now that I I care less what other people think about me. Like, yes, it still hurts. It just matters way less. Like I, in 2014, I had so many of my friends saying, I love you. You're amazing. It's him, that you. And I was like, I know this, I know this, I know this, but why does it still hurt? And what I realized is because I was afraid to show up in the world because I'm like, well, this is, this is my fear is that this is what people are going to think. And now in 2020, it's like, I know people are going to think this, but I don't care <laughs> because my life is so full. I believe vehemently what I stand for. And I'm not going to let one person and their opinion take that from me. And so it was probably the span of like maybe an hour where I had reached out to two friends. I was like, this is what I woke up to this morning. And they're they're Instagram friends as well. And both therapists. And they just kind of talked me through it. And then they were like, So what what do you like, what are you gonna do now? And I was like, I kind of wanna share it. And they were like, it's your you have a right to share it. You don't have to, but you can. And I I chose to share because one, I wanted to show people that this is what I experience. Like I get those messages at least once a month. Like like that definitely happens. Maybe not to that severity. And I think too, they had brought up some other things that maybe if they hadn't, um, I, I don't know if I would have been so like alarmed by it, but it was a very cruel message. Mm-hmm. And it's abusive, right? Mm-hmm. But I am so self assured right? That my worth and value does not come from my body. As a therapist, I know that somebody, like we say this thing, hurt people, hurt people, right? Right. And I believe, and I've seen this going around too. healed people, heal people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. that's why I do what I do. Right. And so it, I'm not saying that didn't hurt. Right. But it's like, if somebody, it's like, if somebody purposely steps on your toe, it hurts, but it, it didn't break it. Like I'm like, well, I was rude, right. <laughs> but I'm okay. And that's because, whereas before I was like, oh my God, my sh-, like, it was like a, like a barefoot. And I'm like, oh my God, is everyone going to like my foot? Is everyone going to like my foot? Now yeah. I'm like, I don't care if you like my foot.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> I like my foot. You have perspective on like like, I'm helping so many people through my work. And just because one person decides to do something rude, that has nothing to do with me
1: i got so
0: i was overwhelmed
1: i was literally overwhelmed by the love that i received from people i I couldn't even i couldn't even i was like this is not what i imagined at all um but i was i was grateful and uh yeah And and again right so in my body image and this is a great a great little tidbit too it's not like with weight loss right where you're like i'm seeing progress all this time it's like yes 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 and then it stops you you don't know when you have progress until you live the experience again so i'll give you another short example i remember when um my uh leaning in right i remember flying on an airplane and I remember being filled with shame, like just so much shame about getting on the airplane and being like, why are you feeling so much shame? And I, I sat on the airplane and I leaned into it and I was realizing that I was feeling shame because I was worried that I was taking up too much space. that I was going to be in this person's space and that what were they thinking about me? And, you know, are they thinking what that, that mean troll said to me on the internet? Like, right, whatever, whatever the case may be. And so I sat and I journaled. Which is a great resource journaling i have some journal prompts on my page uh under my highlights if people want to lean into that um <clears throat> but uh after that like i can fly in an airplane now and i don't get filled with shame because it's uncomfortable and it's separating out the shame from the discomfort so now i'm like oh this isn't the most comfortable thing i wish they had more options I, you know all of the above but at the end of the day it's separating out the shame from the discomfort or the pain or the emotion
0: and that's also like what you were talking about before about like scapegoating your body like if you feel uncomfortable on a plane that might not have anything to do with like it's not your fault or it's not your body's fault it's just is what it is you know yeah exactly exactly okay thank you so much for joining us i learned so much and um i'll put like all your information in the show notes and your website (laughs) and um yeah just thank you so much it was great Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast. Get into it with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.